the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Deliver us from evil. You're familiar with these words that we pray. As the seventh petition in the Lord's Prayer, we pray them often, if not daily. And yet, have you ever actually slowed down and thought about what it is you're praying for? What is the evil that you're asking God to deliver you from? Now, certainly there's the evil that surrounds us, that comes upon us as a result of man's fall into sin. We think of St. Paul's words in the Romans, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Certainly a long list here. And then there's the evil that lies in each and every single one of us on account of our sinful, fallen flesh. Jesus says, for out of the heart comes all evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And so there's a lot of evil that we ask God to deliver us from. Evils that seek to lead us away from God in the forgiveness and the life that only He can give to us. And yet throughout Lent, you've probably noticed that we see that there's another evil that we must be delivered from. And that is Satan, the evil one. In fact, in the original Greek, the seventh petition of the Lord's Prayer may be translated as deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. Satan is the evil one. And Luther writes this in the large catechism about him. He constantly seeks our life. He wreaks his, ven- wrecks, yeah, wreaks his vengeance whenever he can, afflicts our bodies with misfortune and harm. So there's nothing for us to do upon earth but to pray against this archenemy without stopping. For unless God preserved us, we would not be safe from this enemy even for an hour. And so it is, we pray, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. We can imagine that the man in the gospel for this day desired to be delivered from the hands of the evil one. Yet under the possession of a demon, the man is unable to speak. He's mute. He's unable to cry out for help. And who knows how long he had endured this evil. And it's here where we see that Jesus, in his mercy, in his compassion, delivers this man from the grasp of the evil one and his demons. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke. Incredible. And yet we see in our text that this man wasn't the only one under the influence of the evil one. Some people marveled at this miracle by Jesus. Others, on the other hand, led astray by the lies of Satan, tested Jesus. They said, Uh, They kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. Now, immediately, you should probably be thinking of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, 
which we heard a couple weeks ago. Here Satan took Jesus to the holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And to this Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. By seeking a sign from Jesus, the man in our text was putting God to the test. And they wouldn't receive the sign they demanded. Following our gospel, Jesus responds with this. This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And this sign of Jonah is a reference to Jesus' resurrection from the dead on the third day. While some men sought to put Jesus to the test, others accused Jesus of being in league with Satan. Led astray by the evil one, they said he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Now, as Jesus rightly points out, this is a foolish accusation. If Jesus were in league with Satan, he wouldn't be attacking Satan's servants. It's as Jesus says, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Now, if Jesus isn't on the side of Satan, then clearly he's on the side of God. For there are only two kingdoms, the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of God. And if Jesus casts out demons by the finger of God, then he is the new and greater prophet like Moses, who brings with him the kingdom of God. And to further highlight this truth, Jesus places before these individuals, and also us today, two parables. In the first parable, Jesus says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Now with these words, there's a temptation for us to believe that we're the stronger man. right? And this makes sense because none of us want to see ourselves as weak, as helpless. And yet we're not the strong man. We're not even the strong, we're not the stronger man, and we're not the strong man. Satan is the strong man. Jesus is the stronger man. And we simply are the goods. We're the possessions. Conceived and born in sin, We're by nature children of wrath, as St. Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians. We're held captive in the kingdom of Satan. And we're unable to deliver ourselves from this evil, just like this demon-possessed man in our text. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, 
Even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were held captive in the kingdom of the strong man, well, God sought to deliver us from this evil. And Jesus, God launches an all-out attack in order to deliver you from the evil one, in order to deliver you from Satan's grasp. And he did this through his perfect life, being tempted in every single way that you are, yet without sin. He did this through his innocent suffering and death on the cross, suffering the just punishment for your sin. And while it appears as if Jesus lost the battle in his death, it's not the case. It's in his death that he crushes the head of the evil one, Satan. And three days later, having risen from the dead, Jesus descends into Satan's kingdom to proclaim his victory over sin, over death, and over Satan himself. And it's in the waters of holy baptism where God gives you all the blessings of his death and his resurrection. Through, through those blessed waters, you are delivered from the grasp of the evil one and placed into the kingdom of God. He makes you one of his beloved children. He bids you to dwell in his house where he pours out the rich blessings of his forgiveness, of his life for Christ's sake. And he feeds you with his very body and blood under the bread and wine, which brings with it God's grace and spirit, which brings with it all of his gifts of protection, defense, and power against death itself against the devil in every single trouble. Isn't that wonderful? And so, having been delivered from the evil one, everything is good, right? No cares, nothing to worry about. Well, not so fast. In the second parable, Jesus reveals that the battle continues. And in fact, it will continue until Jesus comes again in glory. Here Jesus says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Satan knows better than to fight where he'll lose. He can't withstand the Almighty God. He can't stand up to this powerful Word of God. He isn't all-knowing like God is. Remember, you heard this a couple weeks ago, that Satan is a fallen angel, an evil angel. He isn't God. And while he isn't all-knowing like God is, Satan is very perceptive. He knows everything that goes on. 
He notices that while you've been baptized, you don't daily drown the old Adam in those baptismal waters through contrition and repentance. He notices when you don't conform your life to the truth of God's word, but instead when you conform yourself to the evil pleasures of this passing world. He notices when you don't walk as a child of God, but you walk as, well, the sons of disobedience, indulging in the works of the flesh. Just St. Paul writes, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Satan notices When you despise hearing God's word here in God's house, in your home, because it's not convenient for you, maybe it doesn't fit your schedule, fellow redeemed, Satan notices when the house of your hearts has been swept clean, that is void of Christ and his life-giving word. Void of Christ and his life-giving word, we open ourselves up to be delivered right back into the hands of the evil one, Satan. It's just what Jesus says. The demon goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. May our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Deliver us from this evil. Let us repent of our sins, being apathetic, lazy, or indifferent to the holy things of God. Let us repent and cling in faith to the word of God. It's as Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. That is to say, those who believe God's word, who depend on it, who guard it. It means keeping God's word close to you at all times. So as uh, King Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. The evil one, Satan, won't rest until he finds a soul to bring into his kingdom of death. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, as St. Peter writes. And yet, he must yield to the word that Jesus speaks. It's that word of God where he declares that Jesus has redeemed you, a lost and condemned person. He's purchased and won you, from all sin, from death, from the power of the devil, with his holy and precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death. It's in that word where God declares Christ has overcome that evil foe, and as a result, he can no longer harm you. It's in that word where God declares he has delivered you, his baptized child, from every evil of body and soul, possession and reputation. And finally, when our last hour comes, he'll give us a blessed end and graciously take you from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven. 
so until that day, we pray, Heavenly Father, deliver us from evil, from the evil one. We pray this trusting and believing that he will do this. For it's backed by the innocent suffering and death of our beloved son, his beloved son, Jesus. And it's backed by his glorious resurrection from the dead. God be praised. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord.